And thank you for that song, Brother TC. I'm going to steal this from you. All right. Well, if you can be back tonight, a little commercial for tonight's message. Um, you know, I think forgiveness is something that we all know we need to have in our life, and it's something that's important. It's it's something that's not always easy to do. But you know, with me, for, you know, forgiving somebody that's sorry, I think I don't I don't know. I guess I don't think that's real hard. I've never really struggled with forgiving somebody that was sorry for what they did. But what do we do about people? that aren't sorry, that don't think they did anything wrong. That's where I struggle sometimes. And so, I searched the Scriptures on that subject and I'm going to be covering that tonight. And so, I hope that will be a help in case anybody besides me ever has struggled with that. I'm sure I'm not the only one. But uh, you know, forgiving those who don't want it. And how do we handle that? How do we pursue that? And I said, if you're not able to be here, you know, if you do computers and stuff, you know, I put all the messages online, and hopefully those can be a blessing and a help to you. But right now, let's go to Colossians chapter three. Colossians chapter three. I tell you, I was uh, when I was studying this one last week. I was going to preach this one last Sunday, but you know, the snow canceled everything and messed us up. I'm telling you, I was so excited when I was studying for this message. I was getting so fired up. I just, I almost just came out here and preached it to nobody. Uh, I just, I was that ready to preach it, and then I was just itching to go on Sunday. And you know, of course, then the snow messed it all up, and I'm like, I don't want to wait another week to preach this message. And so, but it's finally here. And I'm excited. There's just we're going to get into some exciting stuff, I think, in here. But kind of what inspired this message was, uh, you know, this is supposed to be preached on Super Bowl Sunday, and of course, you know, last week it was the it was the big game. And I heard this week that that Super Bowl uh, was the highest rated Super Bowl ever. That like three out of every four TVs that were on were. Watching the Super Bowl. I don't know how they figured that stuff out. That kind of scared me a little bit. But uh, they uh, somehow, somehow they know that. And you know, one of the big things that is big when it comes to the Super Bowl that a lot of people watch or they anticipate more than the Super Bowl itself, and that is the commercials. And that's always big news, the Super Bowl commercials. And there's always, every year, there's all this news about commercials, and there's always controversy surrounding a couple commercials. And these places do that on purpose because they know it's going to get them a lot of attention, and it works. The news media gives it to them, and people get all excited, and they watch these things. And uh, you know, and some of these commercials have like 20 million views on YouTube before the Super Bowl even comes. So why do they even... Pay the millions to put it on the Super Bowl. I don't don't understand that. But one thing I do know about Super Bowl Sunday is that it's a very exciting day for two people. And that is sports fans and advertisers. I mean, advertisers get excited because they know everybody's going to be watching it and they want to get their spot on there. And basically... When I was hearing them talk about these commercials and some of the ones that were controversial and all that, one thing I've noticed that commercials use, and I didn't see the Super Bowl or the commercials this year, but they use the things of the flesh, don't they? They're trying to get you to set your affections on that item, you know, that car or the food or whatever it is. They want you wanting that. They want you desiring that. They want you focused on that. That way, you will go and buy whatever it is 
But they're advertising and they can make money off you. That's the purpose of it. And you think, why do they spend millions of dollars to put these commercials on there? And I think simply the answer to that is because it works. It obviously works. People see these advertisements, their affections get set on that, and then they spend money. And so obviously, uh, you know, it pays off. It works. But as Christians, if we're going to go to Colossians chapter 3, we see our affections are supposed to be on something else. And if we're not careful, we will let our affections get stolen and it will get focused on the things of the world. But let's look at what the Bible says. There's some great things here in Colossians chapter 3. Verse 1 says, If ye then be risen with Christ... Okay, if you're risen with Christ, that's somebody who's saved. When you got saved, you were raised spiritually from the dead. If you're saved today, if you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on the things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. So right here we see how we're supposed to set our affection on things above. And there's things that we're supposed to avoid. And we're going to get into it a little later, but notice these things that we're supposed to avoid, these things of the flesh, are some of the very things that advertisers use to set our affections on their stuff, on their items. And I'm not going to go, I'm not here today to just bash advertising and to bash commercials and things like that. I think we all know that, you know, they're using the flesh. You know, and obviously not all advertising is bad. We advertise in town. We got an ad in the phone book. You know, we pass out flyers. There's, there's things that we do to advertise. It's not all bad. However, I think there's really no argument that the method that the world uses to get our attention and to get us to set our affection on things is clearly it's the lust of the flesh all the time. I mean, on these commercials, there's always controversy surrounding, you know, the you know lack of clothing people are wearing in a lot of these commercials. What are they doing? They're appealing to the lust of the flesh, you know, the pride of life, trying to get people, you know, wanting these fancy cars or whatever things that they don't really need, you know, just so they can look good to everybody else. They use that stuff, but as Christians, we're supposed to set our affection on heavenly things. Those first verses we read, you know, say, seek those things which are above. Okay, above. Talking about heaven. We're supposed to be seeking after those things. We're supposed to be focused. Set your affection on the things above. I think we all understand what affection means and, and uh, I mean, uh, just a love for something. We ought to have a love for the things of God. We ought to have a love for the things of heaven. I mean, we ought to just, we ought to get excited when you hear preaching about heaven, when you hear songs about heaven, when you sing songs of when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. That ought to do something to you. It ought to get you excited, but yet many times in churches today, you can sing a song like when we all get to heaven and people look like they're singing when we all get to the funeral home. That's the look on their face. Because the truth is, when they're singing it, while they're singing it, while they know all the words, they're not really thinking about that. They're thinking about, what am I going to eat for lunch when the preacher gets done? Is the preacher going to get it done early today? 
You know, are we going to beat the Methodists to the chicken house? I mean, are we going? I mean, what? You know, that, that's what we're thinking about. We're thinking of the latest movie that we just watched. You know, we're thinking. We're be thinking about a million things. We're thinking about the fight you're just having with your wife on the way here. Or what? I mean, there, it could be a million things that we're thinking about, and we're not thinking about the heavenly things. And the Bible tells us to set our affection on those things. And so, how do we do that? How do we set our affection on the things above? Because here's the thing: your affections are usually located where the people that you love are. And I know for myself, the older I get, the more I love the thought of heaven because the more people I know, there's there's more and more people that I know that are there. There's many people that I can think of right now that I would love to see again, but I'm going to have to wait until I get to heaven. And I look forward to seeing those people. And you know, our affections are usually located where people we love are. There might be a part of this country somewhere, maybe another state, where there's you have family there. And so when you think about going and visiting that part of the country, it does something to you. You get excited because people I love are in that state. You know, when I think about Arkansas, okay, I that's where my grandpa lives. He lives in Arkansas. I've got an aunt and uncle, and I have some cousins that live in Arkansas, and I love those people, and I like visiting them. You know, Arkansas, it's, it's an okay state. I mean, I, they've got some nice places that we visited there before. But I like Arkansas mainly because of people that I love that are there. Okay? You know, LaSalle, Peru, where I'm from. There's nothing special about LaSalle, Peru, except for me because there's a lot of people that I love there. That's where my parents live. My sisters that live in that area, and so you know, I I care about that area. You know, I I want I would be you know if I hear that an earthquake happened in LaSalle, I'm going to get really worried. If I hear it happens in California, well, I don't really know anybody there. And you know, when your effect your affections are usually located where the people you love are, and you know what, there are many people that I love that are in heaven. And we ought to remember those people. We ought to think about that. We ought to have a longing to go there. Obviously, you know, we know that we still have our time on earth that we have to finish up. But I think it's good and it's healthy for us to keep them in mind and to think about that great cloud of witnesses the Bible talks about that we're compassed about with. And I believe those can, be, uh, those can include our loved ones that have gone on and uh, be, to be with the Lord. And we ought to focus on that. And the truth is, if we would win our loved ones to Christ, our longing for heaven, it will only increase. First Timothy chapter two and verse nineteen. I want to read a passage of scripture there. First Timothy chapter two, verse nineteen. Turn over there. Notice what it says. Uh, verse nine. Oh, maybe it's Second Timothy. Second right. Timothy chapter two and verse nineteen. Man, I wrote the wrong passage down. But the one I was looking for it says, What is our hope and our joy and our crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye at the presence of the Lord? For ye are our hope and our crown of rejoicing. I think I quoted that pretty good. I should have just quoted it. I wouldn't look bad there. But that's what Paul talked about. He talked you in the presence of the Lord. You're our crown of rejoicing. You know, the more people that we win to Christ, the more excited we're going to be about heaven. I thank God for everyone that I have met since I've come and started this church. And I'm even more thankful for those that since we've come here, we've seen get saved. Because while our time on earth together is going to be limited, I know that hey, we'll have heaven. we'll have all of eternity that we can be together. 
I mean, that's just more people that I know I'm going to be able to spend eternity with in heaven. And that's exciting to me. And I tell you, the more people you reach for Christ, the more excited you're going to get about heaven. The more focused you're going to be on the heavenly things when you're winning people to Christ, when you see people get saved. I'm telling you, it's exciting. You can't beat it. And if we bring our loved ones to Christ, our longing for heaven will only increase. I've talked to some folks, some you know, some older folks that are up there in years, and you hear them talk about heaven, and it's just you, you, you can just hear it in their voice. They just they want to go so bad. I've talked to people that you know, all most of their loved ones are there. Their parents, their brothers and sisters, they're all there. Maybe they even have children that are there. All the you know, they're close. The people they were close with in their life, they're almost all in heaven. You know, I'm only 34. Most of the people I'm close to are still here on earth. But you talk to some of these folks, and they they just they want to get up there because that's where everybody that they love is located. And I, that's why if we if you want to get your affections on the right things, win people to Christ. And you will only increase your desire for the heavenly. But also our affections are located where we have most of our treasures. Turn over to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I just found that. Oh, it was 1 Thessalonians that I was wanting to go to. I just found it there now. But anyway, Matthew chapter 6 verse 19. It says, Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. You know, that's where a lot of our affections are at are on our earthly treasures, isn't it? I was reading a thing this morning talking about how 75, I forgot the number, of adults today are stressed about money. And then it was breaking down kind of the reasons behind a lot of those. And a lot of the reasons was the saving for retirement thing. And listen, I'm not against saving for retirement. I think that's wise. I even think it's it's biblical according to you know the go to the Anthel Slugger verse. We, that's another, that's another subject. However, you know people are so concerned about laying up treasures on earth that they totally lose their focus on the heavenly things. Well, I can't give anything in the offering. Why? They're too worried about laying up treasures on earth. We have a missionary. I'm not going to give any money to a missionary. I got my treasures on earth. I'm trying to store up. But if you're laying up treasures in heaven. You know you're going to try. You're going to want to give to to a missionary. You're going to want to give to something that's somebody that's bringing people to Christ. But if you're laying up your treasures on earth, your tre- your focus is going to be where your treasure is located. And it says that if you keep reading, uh, verse twenty says, "But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also." The reason people aren't thinking about heaven today is because they don't have any treasures there. They're not there. You know, if if somebody's house was to burn down, you know, you're going to be devastated because there's all the things that you have in that house, and I'm not criticizing you for that. But even if you have insurance, okay, there's things that can't be replaced, right? You know, you've got pictures, you know, maybe wedding pictures and just you know family pictures. You've got all those things that can't be replaced. They're your treasures, and it would devastate you to see. Your house burned down and everything you go up, everything go up in flames. That would be hard because of what's in there. You remember Lot's wife when she looked back at Sodom and Gomorrah and turned into a pillar of salt. Well, why do you think she turned back? Well, she had loved ones that were there. Not all the kids went out with them. All her home was there. All her stuff was there. 
That's where her treasure was, and she turned back and turned into a pillar of salt. But you know, as Christians, if we're laying up treasures in heaven, and I'm not going to preach on all the ways to lay up treasures in heaven, but if that's what we're doing, well, we're going to be looking at heaven all the time, aren't we? Our affections are going to be on the heavenly things. I mean, if you found out that hey, you've been left an inheritance, this great inheritance, and it was located you know, in this other state, you just had to go there to get it. Man, all you're going to be thinking about, okay, how do I get there? How long is it going to take to get there? You know, when can I get there? How early can I show up? You know, what's the quickest route to get there? You're going to want to find out how to get there because you find out I've got treasure there. And when you have treasure in heaven, you're going to be focused on heaven. You're going to be thinking about the heavenly things. The thought of losing something here on this earth isn't going to matter that much to you because you're focused on heavenly treasures. Okay, I lose everything here. Big deal. Most of my treasures are up in heaven. And that should be our attitude. And the Bible says, set your affection on the things above. You have to do it on purpose. If you don't have treasures in heaven, you're not going to be able to set your affection on things above. So you have to do that. So you need to start laying up treasures in heaven. You need to start getting people into heaven, winning people to Christ, and that will set your affection on heavenly things. That's where our affections are supposed to be. Our affections as believers, they ought to mature as we grow in Christ. Look at verse 3 of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. I need to turn back there. I want to show you something in there. It says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. Now, what's that? That's talking about when it says you're dead. It doesn't mean we're physically dead, but spiritually, when we got saved, we were spiritually were resurrected, and we are supposed to die to this flesh. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to conquer this flesh. We're supposed to mortify this flesh. We're supposed to learn to say no, and spiritually, in a sense, we're supposed to to kill it. We're supposed to overcome it. Okay, and we do that by focusing on the spiritual things. And as we grow in Christ, our, we ought to, our, our affections should change. Our affections should mature. Just this last Christmas, before Christmas, when I was out looking for Christmas presents, I was looking at all these toys for boys and they were like for three, four, and five-year-old boys. And I was looking at those and I was like, man, I wish my boys still liked these things because they're not very expensive. But now that they're getting older, the stuff they like is really expensive. And it's really hard to shop for them now unless you got a lot of money because their affections are changing. They're maturing. And you can't get them excited about fake tools anymore. You know, I was looking at this fake tool thing. I thought, man, when my boys were little, they would have loved that. But now, they wouldn't appreciate that one bit. Why? Because they've grown. They've matured. And you know, when you first get saved, you're not going to just automatically be that way, but you've got to grow into it. You've got to, and you've got to start adding things to your life. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. It says, When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And you know, I can understand the world getting all caught up in the things of the world. I can understand the world getting mesmerized by these TV commercials and thinking, I've got to have those cars. I've got to have that you know, food. Or I've got to have those clothes. Whatever it is, I can see the world getting all captivated by that. 
I mean the people that put these things together. They know the human mind. They study these things. They know how we think. They know what works. And they use all of it. And I understand the world being hypnotized by it. But as Christians, we're supposed to be dead to the flesh. We ought to be past that. We ought to be able to see through those things. We ought to be able to see through all the, you know, just the, you know, the commercialism of everything. We ought to be able to see through all that and get past it and say, you know, that's really not that important. I get why the world gets all caught up in that, but you know, there's think about, you know, just you know, when you look at you know, cars for example, all right? Thank the Lord you all saw my new van out there, the white one, that's ours. You know, thank the Lord uh, we got that. But you know, I could have I have good enough credit, I could have got something a lot more expensive. I could have got something brand new. But I wouldn't have been able to tithe anymore. <laughs> and so I didn't do that. I wouldn't have been able to give the missions anymore. I didn't want to do that. And you know, I understand that, you know, while I can impress somebody with my car for a little while, maybe a couple you know, most people don't really care, do they? But yeah, I understand that, you know, I would be so much better off here on this earth, and especially in eternity, if I'm still giving my tithes and offerings to the Lord. The world doesn't get that. The world doesn't understand that. But I ought to be able to understand that by now. And if, you're, if you've been saved for any length of time, you ought to be able to get past those things and have your affections mature and grow in Christ and get past that and not fall for all the advertising and just all the worldliness and the things of this world and say, you know what? I'm going to start focusing on heavenly things. I would rather drive a cheaper vehicle and lay up some treasures in heaven. Because I'll be, I'll be better off that way. And that, and, but if your affections are the things of this earth, it's going to be all about what can I get for myself? What can make me look the best? That pride of life. It'll, you'll get caught up in that. The Bible says if you're saved, that you've gone, you've passed from death to life. And that ought to change something. 1 John chapter 3, verse 13 says, Marvel not, brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. We know we've passed from death unto life. Okay, why? Because our affections have changed. We love the brethren. There's people out there today, they hate church, and mostly because they hate Christians. There are people out there today, they just they hate religion, and mostly, though I'm okay with God, I just hate his followers. Well, the Bible says we know we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. And people who just hate other Christians, I worry about those folks. Because when you get saved, your affections change. You're a part of the same family, just like it's unnatural for, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty natural for brothers and sisters to fight a little bit. But it's unnatural for them to just absolutely hate each other where they want them to die. As much as my kids fight, I think if one of my kids fell over dead, I think it would upset the other ones quite a bit. And that's totally natural. That's normal. And it's natural and it's normal for God's people to love each other and to care about each other and to have an affection for each other. And when you don't, there's something wrong. You might want to check up your salvation based on what the Bible says. And there's many other Scriptures we could look there. But I do. I worry about those who say they're saved but just don't want to have anything to do with God's people. That's not normal. But as you grow in Christ, your tastes are going to change. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1. 
says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Hey, you're acting just like the world. You're acting like common man. You're, you're carnal. You're fleshly. And he said, I have to give you milk. And you know, it's normal for a baby to want to eat milk all the time, but as they grow, their tastes change, don't they? Okay? Allie anymore? She, or not Allie. Lana. I got so many kids, can't keep them all straight. You know, Lana anymore. She wants to eat what everybody else is eating all the time. I mean, I remember as soon as Cassandra started introducing some of the table food to her, it's like there's no turning back. She's not going to want the milk anymore. Once you start getting the good stuff, you don't, you don't want to go back to that anymore. I mean, we would all be really worried if we saw an adult drinking out of a bottle, wouldn't we? Because you ought to be past that. And as Christians, when you first get saved, you know, you're not just going to automatically be super Christian, but your change, you're, 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 you're going to grow, your affections are going to change, and the things that you used to be all about, you're not going to care about those anymore. You're going to want strong meat. And, you know, obviously Lana's not ready for steak yet, but one of these days she will be. And she'll, I mean, she'll love it. And I'm telling you, you put a steak in front of me or a bottle of milk. There's no contest there. And you got you got Christians today and you got churches today that are all about the things of the flesh. I mean, using all the things of the flesh, the just the the worldly music, the worldly everything. And there's people in there that love it, and then somebody gets up and preaches the gospel, preaches hard against sin, and it's like a baby trying to eat a steak. They choke on it. They can't handle it. They're not ready for it. And I tell you, after you've been saved a while, you ought to be able to handle that. I ought to be able to get up and talk about you being a dirty, rotten sinner. You deserve to be in hell with your back broke. And you're not going to get all offended by it and walk out. You're not going to choke on that. You know that by now. You're ready for it. And the truth is, it ought to get you excited. I mean, that, that ought to get you fired up. Man, I hope the pastor preaches hard on sin today. Man, I hope he just lets it rip. I hope he stomps on my toes. You know, we always hope he stomps on somebody else's toes. But, you know, not, I mean, we ought to hope he stomps on our toes. Hope it gives me something that I can just take and I have to think about. I love when I hear preaching that I, I do. I've got to think about it for a while. I just got to chew on it a little bit, and I just I got to meditate on. It. I got to go and I got to, I got to check the scriptures. It gets me thinking. I like that stuff, and you know I want to be past just God loves you. God loves you. You're just you know you're so special. And I, I want I want to get some of the meat, and that's normal. Your our affections change. They mature. You might not be there yet, but you ought to be working towards it. You ought to be heading that way. Because you see, our goal... And folks, this is where it starts to get exciting here. Okay, Our goal should be is supposed to be for us to be like Christ. Look at verse 4 of Colossians chapter 3. Because this is going to happen, folks, and it might not be that far away. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear... Then shall we also appear with Him in glory. That is what we call the rapture. Right there, folks. When Christ with our life shall appear, we shall, ye also shall appear with Him in glory. Then verse 5, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. We're going to be like Christ someday, folks. One of these days, we're going to be just like Him. So in the meantime, we're supposed to start working. We're supposed to start working towards it right now. 
I know we're not there yet. I know we're not going to totally get there until He appears, until we see Him. But the Bible says that every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself, even as He is pure. And let's let's look at some of these verses that the Bible says about Christ it is coming. We believe we're going to be like Him. 1 John 3, verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. The world doesn't understand us. They don't get why we do what we do. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Okay, If you're saved, you're a child of God right now. Behold, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Alright, we don't always look like sons of God, do we? Okay, especially when you get in the flesh. Alright, don't we? We all get in the flesh sometimes, don't we? And we don't always look, and we don't always act like Christ. But it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. When does that happen? When do we come become like him? Well, based on Colossians 3, based on 1 John chapter 3. It's when we see Him. When we see Him, something's going to change. Something's going to happen to us. We're going to be just like Him. And when is that day? Well, that's the day of what we call the blessed hope. That's the day we call the rapture. That's the day we call the glorious appearing. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. That glorious appearing when Christ appears. We're looking forward to that. That's our blessed hope. I know I'm still a sinner right now. I know I still mess up now. But one of these days when I see Christ... I'm not going to be that way anymore. And that is my hope, folks. Listen, I don't believe I'm going to heaven because I'm good enough right now. I believe I'm going to heaven because I've put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He saved my soul. And I know that one of these days, when He appears, that His glorious appearing, I'm going to see Him and I'm going to be like Him because I'm going to see Him as He is. And the Bible has much to say about that. Revelation 1, 7, you don't have to turn to all these passages, but here's just more passages on this. The Bible says, Behold, He cometh, with clouds, and every eye shall see Him, and they also which pierced Him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of Him. Even so, Amen. We see in the Scriptures that when Jesus appears, not everyone's going to be excited about it. We see that some are going to wail because of it. But those who are saved, when we see Him, we're going to be changed. Something different is going to happen. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And He shall send His angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together His elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. What's He doing in the clouds? He's coming to get us, isn't He? 
He's coming to get us. Behold, He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see Him. We see a little more here in Matthew 24. He comes in the clouds. After the sun's dark and after the moon's turned to blood, He comes in the clouds. The tribes of the earth wail and they mourn, but He goes and He sounds a trumpet. He sends His angel and He gathers us up from the four winds of heaven. The other most part of the earth. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And verse 16. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16. Boy, when you look at all these verses and you put them all together, you see it's so clearly all the same event. It says, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And then look in the next, what it says in the next chapter in verse uh, 1. But of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with them. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another as also ye do. We see that there's a day coming when Christ comes in the clouds. He's coming to get us out of this earth before He pours His wrath out on this world. And that's why the Bible says all the tribes of the earth shall mourn. The lost, they're going to mourn when they see Him in the clouds. But when we see Him, it's going to be a little different. We see in Colossians 3 that when we see Him, we're going to be like Him. We see in 1 John that when we see Him, we're going to be like Him. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we see the same thing. He says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? I love that part right there. I mean, one of these days when we see him, we're putting on immortality. And when that day comes, we're grave, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? The grave won't be able to do anything to us. Folks, some, I mean, we know people that the grave right now, it's taken people from us. It's taken people that loved and they've been taken maybe early from us. People that we weren't ready for them to go yet. And one of these days that the Lord tarries is coming, that's going to happen to us too. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow, but the day is coming when Christ appears in the clouds and we see Him. And the Bible says we're putting on immortality. And when that day comes, grave, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? The grave will have nothing it can do to us. Why? Because when we see him, we're going to be changed. In a moment, the Bible says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, I don't know how it all is going to work. 
But one of these days we see that the sun's going to be dark and the moon's going to be turned to blood. We see that Christ, He's going to come to the clouds. We see He's going to sound a trumpet. There's going to be the voice of the archangel. We see that He's going to send His angels and He's going to gather His elect. And somewhere in there too, when we, at the moment when we see Him, we're going to be changed. I don't know what exactly is going to happen. I don't know if it's going to be like Jesus on the amount of transfiguration when all of a sudden He was transfigured, when His his visage changed right there in front of Him. If all of a sudden people are going to be looking at us and one moment we're there and the next moment we're like glowing, the next moment we look perfect. I don't know how it's going to happen. And then some, I don't know if they're going to be able to see the angels when they come and they snatch us and take us up to heaven. I don't know how it's all going to work. But I do know this, it's going to be exciting. And when that, I mean, we are going to be changed. We're not always going to be sinners. You're not always going to have these aches and pains and things you have. You're not always, we're not always going to have these mortal bodies. Say, so, well, what if I die before that happens? We saw in the Bible that your, your physical body is going to resurrect from the grave. I mean, you'll be resurrected then. You're going to experience it too. And I'm telling you, that ought to get us a little bit excited. I mean, that just gets me excited. I mean, we see there in the Scriptures that when Jesus Christ comes, when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall we also appear with Him in glory. I mean, we ought to be watching. We ought to be waiting. We ought to be excited for that day because that is our goal. We want to reach that goal. We're not there yet. But when we see Him, we're going to be like Him. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself even as He is pure. What are you doing right now? You think you're like Christ? No, no, but I'm doing the best I can. God, at least be trying to be like Christ. Because, I mean, that's what we're longing for. I mean, commercials all the time. They're always using you know these you know weight loss commercials, and they're showing these people that you know everybody wants to look like. And, oh, you could look like this if you'll take this vitamin. If you'll eat these meals, you'll look like this. Well, listen, one of these days we're going to be like Christ, and that beats anybody you can look like here on this earth. We're going to be like Christ, and that's what our affections should be on. And people, they'll go and they'll spend all this money buying these things thinking it's going to transform something in their physical body. Who cares about that? Someday, we're going to be like Christ and that ought to get us excited. That ought to get, that ought to capture our affections. And our affections now, our desire should be to die to this flesh. Verse 5 of Colossians 3, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. That why is Jesus Christ coming to get us and pour his wrath on this world? Because of all the wickedness that's going on in this world. And we know that someday God's going to come and He's going to change us. And those who have not been saved, those who are not the sons of God, when they see Christ, they're not going to change like us. They're going to mourn. And we see that God's going to pour His wrath out on this earth during that time. And so us especially as Christians, why would we do any of those things that we know God's going to punish the world for one of these days? Why would we do that? Jesus Christ... He paid for our sins on the cross. He died. He forgave us of our sins. And those who have not accepted that gift of salvation, someday God's going to come and He's going to pour His wrath on this earth. Why would we get involved in those things? 
And there is a reason if we get caught up in the things of the flesh, if we walk in the flesh, the Bible says we will fulfill the lust of the flesh. But if we walk in the Spirit, then we will fulfill the desires of the Spirit. And we need and we need to walk in Christ. And we do it for a reason because we have the hope that someday we're going to be like Him. If we have that hope, we'll start doing that now. We ought to be anticipating that day more than anything else. We ought to do whatever it takes to get victory. It's gonna it's gonna happen. One of the, if you're saved today, one of these days you're gonna be like Christ. And boy, that ought to excite you. Who cares if you look like the people on TV because you went on the diet, you bought their pills? Who cares about that? You're still going to be a sinner. You're still going to have problems. You're still going to get yourself in trouble. And you know what? If you're not careful, you don't work real hard, you'll go right back to normal before long anyway. But when we see Christ, we'll be like Him and we will be that way for all of eternity. Never sin. One of these days, Christ, God's going to wipe away all tears from our eyes and there will be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. That is the hope that we have as Christians. And listen, I'm telling you right now, there is no, we ought, that ought to get us excited. If this doesn't get you excited, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know what's going to get you excited. Maybe if I told you you're going to go on the... Oprah Winfrey show, and she was going to give you a free car. You know that that, that why, you know, why do people get so excited about that? Why? Because they're caught up in the things of the flesh. Things of the, that's what people get excited about. And as Christians, the Bible has told us we need to set our affections on the things above, not on the, thing, not on the things of the earth. And if you do that, it will help. You'll be happier. You will be a better Christian. You will accomplish more for God. I mean, there is not one thing good that it will not do for you. Set your affection to the things above. So with that, let's all stand together.